We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You always sound sarcastic when you when you come out. I of didn't it. sound sarcastic. You're always like, oh, we'll go for some good old fashioned. Yeah, pivot you'll go, there we go, and now we're gonna do this. I didn't sound yeah, sarcastic. I think, I think you come across sarcastic. Like you don't, I'll, I'll like you don't you, respect. I'll this give you sarcasm. Show. Yeah, yeah. Those were the trailers. Let's do some yeah, film reviews. That's exactly what you sound like. No, it didn't. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you love now. I'll give you love. Yeah. Those were the those Super Bowl trailers. Let's do some great film reviews now. Is he sickly sweet? I'm doing it over the top. Those are the Super Bowl trailers. Oh, that sounds too cool. Uh, uh, yeah. That sounds too cool. Yeah, it's not nice, is it? <laughs> yeah, I guess those are the trailers. No, way too nonchalant. Way too nonchalant. <laughs> Guys, those are the Super Bowl trailers. And now let's do some film reviews. That's nice. Thank that. you very much. All right, I'll actually put that in there. Yeah. This has been doing the rounds on TikTok mm. a while recently. But it also came into my head when I rewatched Band of Brothers. Do you think? How do you think we'd fare in war, James? Not good. Not good. Not no. good. I, I, yeah. I well, don't this think... is like the conscription news that was actually not. It no. was. We've never been conscripted. It was. Yeah. Um. It. It would be very bad. Podcasters really, really bad. don't make good soldiers. I'd have to offer my services as like a film documentarian. That's the only oh, value really? I could provide, or a chef. <laughs> oh, oh really? You think well, like, are, you, are you good enough? What else? Do, what? What? I have no other value. You're to... too tall to go in a trench. I would. I that would. Heads coming straight yeah, up with a straight off. I would have to be a conscientious objector if it really got the bad. I. I would only fight. If it so was I'm not the rolling end. my eyes at conscientious objections. No, 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 no. I was, I was being like, he can roll his eyes at me. It's, uh, it's very yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the only way I would like sign up if it's like the aliens. Oh, like right. Independence Day, mothership. That's the yeah. only. That's the only oh, way, and, and it's a threat. threat. And it's a threat. I'm not going to just immediately start get my get my right. rifle and take the aliens down. But um, there's no way I'm. Um, Imagining the pathetic podcasters yeah, standing yeah. in a field with the gun. I'd like to think. Well, I've asthma for a start, so there's no, no point You're out. in a field. I'm You're out. out. I would say at best you could use me for propaganda. Just I'm like media. I've worked in media. Yes, I've worked in production. Just, just you'd be like the event. spineless little media guys. Like, no, 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 we need to show this. We're, we're yeah. working under the assumption that you have, you know, you don't really have a choice. You have to do, yeah, the only value I could provide is like being that guy, bombs, or, shells, and I'm just roll. I'm like Jack Black and King Kong. Just roll, get the shot. I think I'd be the guy going around all the towns and villages, on, on, you know, back home, going, what? "Get your war bonds now, support our troops out there <laughs> yeah. in the field." Marketing, yeah, marketing, marketing. Absolutely, yeah. they need you. Any spare change? Thank you. I love it's like the TikTokers are like, you're really going to get us to go get ready with me today as we go over the top. Yeah, like, like, they're like, call for air support. I don't really want to call him. Can I email him? Can I email for air support? No, you need to call him. Anyway, that was, um, the reason I brought that up is because when I did my Band of Brothers review, I forgot to mention the scene at the end of the first episode, you've had the whole training thing and everything. Mm. And it ends with them getting on the planes to fly to Nor- they're in England, they're getting the place yeah. to fly over to Normandy for D-Day. And it, it, it's really well done because mm. you just feel the tension in your stomach. Yeah. And the, it ends on this shot of just a, a sea of planes in the air just, just descending over France. Yeah. And 
I was like, I'd shit my pants. You'd be, yeah. you'd be absolutely scared. And to ju- these, jump out of a plane into northern France. And all these, I mean, they'd be bricking it. And all the men in it are. They're absolutely, they're, boys, they're, yeah. they're, they're just, they're, yeah, they're all boys and they're all just huddled together. Free, and I'm like, that also takes some cojones <laughs> that I don't think we, <laughs> sadly, we just do, we just do not have, we have, look, our generation has many other values. <laughs> But we just we got, not, we've come to not place we do so much not value fundamentally have that uh, in us. Is that a problem? I mean, don't let don't let the Russians know. <laughs> don't let they, they know anyway. They know. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, um, anyway, let's move on. Find ourselves in. What an interesting time. May we live in interesting times. I've never watched a Super Bowl in my life, George. Never. Uh, culturally, mm. it doesn't. It doesn't. I've noticed disrespect. Well, I probably do have some disrespect to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm really? about to disrespect the Super Bowl. I've you know what I've always found weird about the Super Bowl as a Brit is that if, for example my team were playing in the Champions League final, right? If Arsenal were in the Champions League final, and like, I've just watched a half, time, half of football, and my team scores right before half time. And then I had to watch like an hour of Usher. Don't get me wrong, I love Usher as much it's as the an next hour, person. The half time show? Half-time show is an hour long. 45 minutes That's, at least. That... So then I'm like, I love, I love, don't get me wrong, love Usher. Kill but like, the game. I'm, if, I, if I'm there for the, for, for the sport, I want to see the sport. You don't be caught up. Yeah. So I've always wondered, Usher like, it's reference. it's it's your biggest, like, you know, American. It's like the pinnacle of American yeah. football, but it's just not. I, yeah, I agree. I didn't. I didn't. I had no idea it was that long. It I know, is. But now, now it makes it's sense. It's a concert and just squeeze in Usher yeah. for twenty minutes to yeah. a quick little number, and then yeah. he's off. Wow, that yeah, because it's just a. It is kind of in that kind of very cliched. It, it, it's an American it's the most stereotype. American commercialization Let, yeah, of the event. American commercialization. No disrespect to any American no. listeners, we're just, it's a stereotype. We culturally just don't I get it. I tried to like, watch an American football game when I was in Florida last year and the, they're talking about commercialization. Yeah. You can't, it's almost unbearable to watch because there is no flow. Yeah, yeah. Not only is the game of American football a little bit stop start, okay, that's fine. But anytime there's a stop, it's like, it's margin mile, look, because yeah. they cuts to an insurance commercial. I, there's nothing. And like they, we don't have a football and I'm so happy this doesn't happen is like free kicks uh, forgive, forgive me for wrong I did see this once when I was in Washington it's like free kicks are brought to you by Gatorade so it's like yeah. and painting, painting, painting Manning lining up for the kick brought to you by Gatorade and it's like yeah. are the penalties brought to you How by you sponsor yeah, no. do you know what I mean it's like well every time there's a free kick that free kick is actually they would sponsor individual blades of grass if they could yeah now, that's something. how yeah, <laughs> flying up in slow motion it's <laughs> yeah. just like shell <laughs> <laughs> Michelin, yeah. yeah. Um, I, but do you know what I find interesting about the Super Bowl as well is that um, I was about to say if we're allowed to call it the Super Bowl because brands aren't allowed to call this. The, the name is like copyrighted. So that's why all the adverts oh. are called big game spots. They're not called Super Bowl commercials. What is They're, the Super Bowl? It, the, the Super Bowl is the event. We're, we're allowed to call it the Super Bowl, but I think in a branded context, you can't. You can't if you've got an advert for the Super Bowl, you can't say the word Super Bowl. It's a big game. I didn't know that because like 10 years ago, yeah, they um, there was yeah. an advert where they talked about it with Seth Rogen and Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. And they were like, you're not allowed to say that. And they said, what do you mean? Like, you're allowed to go, it's a big plateau. <laughs> the big plate. It's the big event. Yeah, it's the big thing. But we will be talking about the Super Bowl today, mm. very briefly at the beginning of this episode, to talk about the trailers that dropped. It's become true of the mass commercialization mm. of the American Super it's Bowl. Impossible to avoid. Here they we drop, are. you know, the big trailers custom made for the Super Bowl event drop and the, the, Bos- the big blockbusters come out Boston laundry detergents for the the Alaskan <laughs> table the, table fixes. the Kansas City Chiefs versus the <laughs> San Francisco 49ers James. <laughs> so the same to me. <laughs> They're the laundry detergents. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not, not often I actually know that but yeah, I, I, was, I did I've, this year. I've usually known it's like the I Patriots. can't remember if it's the Kansas City Chieftains or the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's Travis Kelsey. Our it? American listeners in their Ford F one fifty. I'm just like, God damn it! 
<laughs> but sorry, the Why World Cup is Why do you imagine our, our American listeners be like the Dukes of Hazard? You're like, God <laughs> damn! They just don't get it! <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. We've just offended all of our listeners. No, we love you all. We will be talking about Superbox. We'll be just talking a couple of reactions to the trailers that dropped. Deadpool, um, Deadpool Twisters, uh, Kingdom of the Planet Apes. Not Deadpool 3, Deadpool and Wolverine. Yes, a demarcation, a separate mm, thing. Mm. In the same way that Paddington 3 will be Paddington in Peru, not Paddington 3. Oh, of By the way, on that, do you know Sally Hawkins is not in it either? I'm, get, I'm starting to get a little bit... She is Paddington. I'm getting a little... Like, in the spirit of Paddington. I'm getting a little bit mm. nervous. Is it, so are, they, are they drifting? Well, there's no Paul King, there's no Simon Farnaby, Fuck. now there's no Sally Hawkins. Oh, I didn't know any of this. Didn't know any of this. Anyway, so we'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about uh, The Iron Claw, which is the big release this week. James reviewed that two months ago, just before Christmas. James managed to go to screening, but it's out now in the UK finally, been out in the States for a while. Um, I've seen it. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. No spoilers here. Don't worry about it. And... um, James, you've also seen The Settlers, new mm. film from debut filmmaker Felipe Galvez Habel. Mm. So I did want to check that. Not Chilean? It is it Chilean? Yeah, Chilean story. Did you say Chilean or Chilean? I, it's just, I literally thought this last mm. night when I was think, collecting my thoughts in my shower. And in my head, I was going, Chile? Chile? I think Americans say Chile, but I've always Chile. said Chile. Chile. But, but, like but I suppose Chileans would say Chile. 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 But like, do I sound like a dickhead Chile. being like, and of course in Chile, yeah. it's like, shut up James, just Chile. say Chile. Now I don't know what I'm going to say. I think Chile. Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> <laughs> also, as ever guys, there's a bonus episode coming this week. We do try and put bonus episodes out mm. every week. We're, sometimes they'll be a little bit delayed Sorry just due delayed. to the production just, capacity of this yes. show. Bear with us. But last week, uh, our bonus episode was about one day, the mm. Netflix series that came out. Oh, and last week's episode, if you haven't caught up, mm. was about three films, The Zone of Interest, Argyle, and American Fiction. Go listen to that if you, you haven't already. But the bonus this week is going to be about a movie called Fair Play, which mm. has actually been on Netflix for a few months, but it came out during the strike, so no one was able to promote it. It's got Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Dinover in it. And it's a kind of murky sexual thriller mm. um, set in New York and we were invited to a screening last week where Phoebe Dinova talked about it and we watched it and we thought oh we'll talk about yeah. that on the show so that's coming out in a bonus later this week but for now we'll crack on with the movies and the Super Bowl trailers so James many big trailers dropped for the Super Bowl mm. this week First one, Twisters. Yeah. The sequel to Twister. They've done what they did with Aliens and Aliens. This is what I was going to ask. I know, of, I know of the Twister from what year? Nine, I want to say 1996 or 95 oh, okay, so with now. Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. Never seen it. Yeah. Have you seen it? No. No. I know it's kind of like very I remember 90s, the, very iconic. what would have been the VHS box art from walking around the blockbuster yes. at the time because it's quite distinctive. Yeah. And it's kind of murky because it's, yeah. it's got rain and clouds. A good typeface for that era. Yes. So there's now, 30 years later, a sequel to it just starring... spin the IP wheel just, at the just, studio. What do we got? Do you know what? What do we got? They've got all the titles on, on the exterior wheel. They've got S. And whenever the title they land on just puts an S on the end. We've got Titanics? Can we do Titanics? Okay. What if no. there were multiple? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Twisters. Twisters. Yeah. So we have Twisters, which is about... Uh, tornado hunters and scientists and etc mm. i don't know the trailer doesn't give you that much it just gives you daisy edgar jones glenn powell mm. daryl mccormack i see daisy edgar jones yes yes rocking out with her impeccable american accent yeah, from, yeah. from my perception an accent chameleon you have a seem to be sort of a chalk and cheese thing where she seems to be the scientist who wants to sort of harness and challenge these and, and sort of mm. maybe break tornadoes I, i'm guessing from the trailer 
that her team were killed by a big tornado and she now wants to destroy tornadoes <laughs> with what, what seems to be in the trailer nanobots yeah meanwhile Glenn Powell plays a very sort of cowboy-esque in a, in a role that 30, 30 years ago probably would have been played by Matthew McConaughey yeah he's now uh, tornado hunter storm chaser I'm if, all about it there are two right ever, there if you ever wondered what if I tried to blow that there tornado up yeah, what would happen literally. to it then if I gave it my gun it is brains here's, here's and brawn together yeah um, and literally in the tra- tra- trailer, they go, there's two of them, there's twins. <laughs> and, they have twisters. and then do you remember in the film The Day After Tomorrow when the two tornadoes merged to form a super uh, tornado? Do you know what? I've only seen bits of The Day After Tomorrow. Which oh, I'd be interested I'd, to know I'd how like that to holds I think it up. was good. I remember they're, they're being stuck in a library. They, they run away from ice. That, that it really works. Or I think it really works. Behind them. So this, this idea that the cold is so cold that if you get stuck in that cold, you would immediately freeze to death. And it like sort of the icing effect like runs along the halls and Jake Gyllenhaal's the like running effect. away. Yeah, it's sort of like ices. And then you have to like sit by the fire and like close the doors to keep the heat. Brilliant. And then there's like people who like come out of helicopters and just freeze. It's well, quite compelling. On, the, on Twisters, what I will yes, say sir. is I did think... Actually, it's quite refreshing to have like an eco thriller yeah. where the villain is nature, mm. and it's kind of getting back to like you know the, a disaster, a proper disaster movie. Yeah, that you used to there get you know the towering inferno and you know the, the old school stuff. I know we've had like San Andreas and the the Roland Emmerich stuff took mm. the, the the disaster film to just extreme lengths, like the yeah. steroid version of disaster movies. Yeah. And I like this being sort of like, can we just bring that back down to just being like set in like Oklahoma? In Roland Emmerich Prime Independence Day, that disaster movie would have been like one of the biggest films of the year. Yes. And in the following 10 to 15 years, those really kind of got yeah. relegated to be like, yeah, okay, you can go do your thing. But like you've got um, Gerard Butler's Greenland movie getting released straight to Prime. Yeah, which actually wasn't that yeah, bad. Yeah, I've not seen, did you see it? I did. Was it quite yeah, it was like, things? I think it came out yeah, January 21. Yeah. Super lock, real lockdown film. I probably wouldn't have watched it, but um, thrilling and thought provoking. Yes, I think I will watch that when I'm sick. Oh yeah, uh, a real sort of, you're not fully A conscious. real sick movie <laughs> yeah. in that sense. Yeah, it's a real like, if you watch it with a partner, you're, we kept pausing it and be like, what would you do? And what would you bring? Mm. And then we became very aware of how unprepared we were mm. to leave this place at very short notice with competent clothing and practical bags mm. to like right. actually survive. That's Twisters, <laughs> where they run away from a tornado and they look to blow a tornado up. I, 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 I want, even though I know it's like quite cynically resurrecting an old IP, mm. in a way I do quite it's want it to work. In old the sense IP, I mean, it's not exactly like present in... No, old IP. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think people are like, yeah, Twisters, the no, old yeah, IP. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. completely invisible sure. in, yeah, yeah. in the landscape. But I, I do kind of want it to work in the sense that it's like a fledged... It's a, a dormant genre, like I said, the disaster flick. Bring it back. Be nice if that... I like Glenn Plough, I like Daisy mm. Edgar Jones. I'd really like to kind of see that maybe work. So I feel like Glenn Powell just, was you know, not dormant, but he was sort of a star in waiting. And he must have just, his agent must have been like, you're going to shoot six movies in 18 months yeah. and they're all going to come out. What I found is, well, he was like, he, I first saw him in Everybody Wants Some, the Richard Linklater movie. And then he was in like Hidden Figures, very small part. And yeah. he was just like around. And by the time he was in Top Gun Maverick, I was like, yeah, I recognize that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's been, and he yeah. was in Set It Up, the rom-com. He's like been around in these, but it's like since Maverick, it's they're like, sizzling. okay, we're going to make you an A-list in that yeah. movie. Get, get that six-pack ready. Pod. You can't yeah. eat a carb for the next five years. Let's do the men's health, how I trained for film oh, X goodness. thing. Yeah. Anyway, next movie is <laughs> Wicked. 
yeah. based on the popular stage musical, which of course is a prequel to The Wizard of Oz, the wonderful, the wonderful The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> James, I've never seen Wicked, have you? No, I've not. I love that we're talking about the film adaptation of the stage, stage show of the prequel to the film. <laughs> Two things on this, mm. what I remember. First of all, Forgotten Films, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, that adds to the list. Whoa. Totally. You know, I had to, I started to write these down when they came to me. Um, Doctor Sleep, the Shining sequel with that Ewan was McGregor. Not bad. But no one talks about no it. Completely came it, yeah. and went. Uh, Emancipation Already yes. is straight um, in there. Suburbicon, which was a George Clooney movie with uh, Matt Damon in. <laughs> yeah. And Julianne Moore, which apparently was just butchered in the edit and makes no sense when you watch it. They're so fun to... to oh, um, Wanted with James McAvoy and Angelina oh, see, Jolie. I would, I would say that's forgotten. I see clips of that and that's been slightly meme I've never seen clips. Oh it. yeah, no, you know the. It was at that moment he knew he was fucked. Like that, 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 that's from. Is Wanted. that from Wanted? I think oh, it wow. is. Yeah. Um, Chris Pratt in that film. Yeah, gets a keyboard smashed across his face. Yeah. Um, but Wicked also. Can I just say, will you say it's based on the stage musical, which is based on the prequel to The Wizard of Oz? No, um, it's just sort of. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but on, yeah. Loosely speaking, yeah. right? Um, I haven't seen The Wizard of Oz in a long time, but correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was all in Dorothy's head at the end. Isn't it all a dream? <laughs> so she still in her up? head. She's, yeah. she's been in a twister, literally. It's yeah. a twister anime. It's yeah. a twister. And she wakes up and she goes, and you were there. She's crazy. And you were there. <laughs> and isn't the witch the woman who like told her her fortune and like the, the lie just the face of the circus it. guy? Yeah. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean there's a prequel to the land of Oz? <laughs> Oz doesn't exist. <laughs> she had a concussion. I'm thinking about it more than anyone ever did. Anyway, yeah. that stars... Cynthia. No, I've, uh, I've never seen Wicked. No, me neither. I had a colleague once who saw it seven times. Yeah, the people do when they see it. They go, yeah. Um, uh, you know, she plays. Is it Elphaba? Is that the green? I know one? the sing- I know like many famous songs. Yes, and uh, Ariana Grande plays the the other witch. You know? Sure, um, yeah. but I'm also like, weren't there three witches? Because at the beginning of the Wizard of Oz, unless does Ariana Grande play the witch that gets crushed by the house? The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy opens it. There's two feet sticking. Quite dark. Not you think about not it. got this fresh in my front. Yeah, why don't you know your Oz lore? <laughs> yeah. uh, Anyway, look, that's also it. It's Wicked Part 1, I believe. Oh, shut the fuck up. Well, I'm just going to double check that because it hasn't said that in the trailer. Please. Part 1. Okay, hang on. I take it back. The first of a two-part film. Yeah, stretch that out. Stretch that sequel? money out. No, oh, my God. Yeah, well, they're going to put more Wicked. Wickedly. Wicked. 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 Anyway, moving on. Uh, no, that's not the way what the credits roll into. They've missed the trick. <laughs> yeah. Wicked. Wicked. Um, the next one, I, I had no idea this film was coming out until recently, and I was quite surpri- pleasantly mm. surprised, which is Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Apes together strong. We did. The, Stronger still. I thought the... I thought Naughty's trilogy was pretty really solid. competent films. Rise of the Planet of the Apes surprised everyone. Good performances, amazing. Uh, so, some at the time, I think the Dawn CG was some yes. of the best animal Mo-cap. digital in real live action recreations I'd seen. I thought it was genuinely breathtaking. Really compelling, great performance by Andy Serkis. Yeah, um, Jason I, Clark as well. I liked Rise. I really liked Dawn. I thought War was fine. A little bit disappointing. My thing with War was there was no War. War we felt like a real sort of uh, just a bit of a side story. Didn't feel like it really continued. Yeah. Just a bit of a, a contractual, a contractual sequel. Mm. Anyway, that that tied that that series up with yeah. the, the arc, Caesar's arc in 2017. Now, seven years later, they've moved on, which looks to be set. I want to say like a hundred years after. Yeah, like, it's, it's in that sort of a and now we're basically era of we're, like, we're, we're now we're back into. Gone. The original Planet of yeah. the Apes, which is apes rule the apes, apes rule the world, there. No apes, more prequels. Prequels, apes on horseback, and the humans are the slaves. Yeah. Um, 
It looks okay. I think I I I, I you know I, I I do enjoy the kind of ape you know the, the modern Planet of the Apes look of those, mm. those films and you know, the gorillas charging and all that stuff. I just hope it doesn't get. You know what it is? The human lead in this. Yeah. I was I was a bit like you look like an actor. You don't look like a person who's been a human slave. Right. Straight okay. away. You look, look quite, like you look, good. you look like a model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, sometimes um, I think when I watched that trailer, I felt like I'd already seen the film. True. So I saw a lot of the beats and like, okay, well, that person has this agenda and that person has this agenda, but they're meant to be on the same team. And I can already see yeah. the sort of third act in this film, which is fine. And there's a problematic leader who believes society should be run one way. And then yes. the underling who thinks, actually, I think we should probably do it this way. And this human sort of puts all of it in context for the yeah. people there. I'm not, I mean, look, I think it, if, it's fine because I've seen this trailer now and it's going to come out later this year. If I don't see that trailer again until I see the film, fine. Chances are when I go and see a bunch of films, I'm going to see that trailer like another six or seven times mm. so it's fine i'll be all right <laughs> i'll be all right i'll be all right we'll see it and we'll review yeah. it and then lastly the one that set the internet ablaze most of all is deadpool and wolverine not deadpool 3 mm. deadpool and wolverine, wolverine kind of like a comic book title there the trailer in which we begin with um we've been with wade wilson mm. celebrating his birthday with the the cast you'll recognize from the first two deadpool films rob delaney's mustachio still when i Ron. see him in, without the mask on i'm always like oh god jesus yeah. he, yeah. Looks, he really go <laughs> for it on the makeup yeah um you've got colossus there and you know the the, the other characters and then there's a knock on the door and it's the TVA from Loki, which I see as Kevin Feige going, how can we get Deadpool into the MCU? <laughs> what are people like? Um, what are people like? We could do the TVA. That could yeah, lovely, it. It's a lovely little portal into every other world, exactly. isn't it? The TVA. Nice uh, sort of the, TVA the TVA snatch him up. They take him away and uh, Matthew McFadden. Matthew McFadden, Tom Wamsgams is there to take him through and do the Owen Wilson <laughs> I just feel thing. like you should have Greg behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, this is your uh, Greg, piece. why is the timeline not <laughs> working? working. Uh, well, um, that's uh, okay. Well, well, let me go speak to uh, the guy. Everyone likes Fox Greg. <laughs> anyway, uh, basically says to Wade Wilson, blah, 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 blah. You can be a hero now. Blah, blah, blah. Welcome to the MCU. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Cue lots of meta jokes and a fair bit of action and some R-rated violence. Acknowledging like the studio politics to the camera. Yes. Always fun. Um, people are very excited for this. It's the only Marvel film we're getting. We say we, like we, we voted for yeah. it. But, um, but that's rare. We're that used is rare. to three plus a year and a couple of shows. Are you excited for this? Do you know what? I'm actually not crazy about it i will take it when it comes and i hope to enjoy it but i just am i'm humming at a very low gear for marvel and i think that's actually better than to be like dissecting it do you know what i think it could... I, I, i've had a bit of cynicism towards yeah. the project to, to, be, to be honest i think what could be good is that this film might bring a healthy dose of, it, it might do it might be like a roast in the mm. sense that like it might be the kind of taking the piss out of marvel that marvel needs right now it might be the kind of reckoning like uh, bringing it back down to bring it down a peg or two yeah so you have deadpool come in and basically like trash the whole of the mcu being like this doesn't work this doesn't but make and ro roast it you know mm. like you would at a roast and i think that might be quite good quite cathartic for audiences to be like yeah mcu so stupid then hopefully you can kind of move on give is it, it, it's instead of trying it, to earnestly get you to involve in a its own sentiment has to like sort of like post rationalizing com 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 comedic eyes itself that doesn't make sense. Do you know how like Full Ragnarok was refreshing because it was like a new comedic take on yes. it? We're going to sort of almost do that again with Deadpool, but be very sort of self-aware. But are we going to be at the risk of the fact that Ryan Reynolds has basically done Deadpool shtick for eight years now? Yeah. And like, I didn't mind the first one. I quite enjoyed the second one. I, was, I, 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 first, people, I really enjoyed really the first one. Some people really d dislike them and think they're stupid. They do make me chuckle. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm a child. They do make me chuckle. I yeah. do love I liked all, one more than two. 
Yeah, I did like to. I liked the whole Rob Delaney joke about having yeah. the, the average yeah. guy there. And uh, anyway, you know, Ryan Reynolds does it with conviction. And yeah. he believes that of all the Ryan Reynolds <clears throat> movies where he does the fast talky, quick quippy thing. Hello, that's that Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I would prefer him. He's best in Deadpool doing that. Uh, Emma Corrin rumored to be the villain in that. Oh, rumored to be like they? an evil version of Professor X. This is all just sort of rumors and speculation. But um, mm. it's yeah. very much under wraps. You see the back of a bald head in a chair, and it doesn't look Do like. You? I yeah, that. yeah, it doesn't look like uh, Professor X or McAvoy or. And of course, Stewart. Hugh Jackman returning as Wolverine with the uh, comic, not comic, but the, well, yeah. yes, but classic X Men. Reminds me of the animated series with yeah. the yellow jumpsuit, nineties yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of important to remember that uh, when. Marvel was in its prime, co- comics-wise, not not uh, films-wise. Their biggest IP was Spider-Man, X-Men, and Fantastic Four. Those were always the ones that sold the most. Huh. And the Avengers, the, the Avengers were actually a tool to use those characters to sell Thor, to sell Captain yeah. America, which didn't do you very well. You pick up your lesser-known characters. Exactly. And then the irony is that Marvel went bankrupt, sold the rights to Spider-Man, sold the rights to X-Men, sold the rights to the Fantastic Four. All they had left were... Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. And they made stars and arguably like bigger mm. cinematic blockbusters out of all of those yeah. characters compared to the other ones. And so now they're almost like, we fucked up those ones and they were all dead or boring or not interesting anymore. Let's sort of have a chat with Sony and Fox. Yeah. And try and just, we burnt through our supply. Yeah, we got a really successful thing. You want to make some money? Yeah, yeah we yeah. can make some money. Let's just use the TVA in there. We'll make some money. Anyway, those are the super, big Super Bowl trailers from this this year. We'll keep out for those films when they come out. Uh, we didn't mention there were a couple of others in there, like Quiet Place Day One, um, yeah. which we'll see when this happens with Quiet mm. Place. Every time there's a Quiet Place movie, the more the more time the more I spend show, with those, yeah. no, but it's more also just like the more I, I I think about the logic of these, the monster creation, the less sense it makes. Yeah, as like a, as like a Darwinistic <laughs> point of view, I'm like, how can you have if all these? How can you anyway? Another time, another time. But I, I agree, the the suspense of The Quiet Place Part 1 was not knowing about the world. Just yeah. you, you focused on one family in a really cool setting of that farm. And then, yeah, like in the end, they defeat them. That's fun. Yeah, with, not, with, <laughs> with white noise. Yeah, but I think like if, this, if they don't defeat any of them in this film, that's more fun to me to have a monster that can't be killed. Yes, it's well, part of my thing about I mean, horror movies. Like, let the monster win more, or don't don't defeat the monster. If it's day one, you'd think it would win. They won't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, those were the Super Bowl trailers. We'll now get on with some good old fashioned film reviews. You always sound sarcastic when you when you come out. I of didn't it. sound sarcastic. You're always like, oh, we'll go for some good old fashioned. No, <laughs> there we go. And now we're going to do this. I didn't sound. Yeah, sarcastic. I think I think you come across sarcastic. Then, like you don't, I'll, I'll like you you don't s- respect. I'll this give you sarcasm. Show. Yeah. Yeah, those were the trailers. Let's do some yeah, film reviews. That's exactly what you sound like. No, it didn't. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you love now. I'll give you love. Yeah. Those were the, the Super Bowl trailers. Let's do some great film reviews now. Is he sickly sweet? I'm doing it over the top. Those are the Super Bowl trailers. No, that sounds too cool. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that sounds too cool. Yeah, it's not nice, is it? <laughs> yeah, I guess those are the trailers. No, way too nonchalant. Way too nonchalant. <laughs> Guys, those are the Super Bowl trailers, and now let's do some film reviews. That's nice. Like Thank that. you very much. All right, I'll actually put that in there. James, The Settlers. The Settlers, a film I saw this week. I actually saw a trailer for it when I went to go see Poor Things, and I thought, that looks really good, looks really beautiful. I fancy it. I thought it had some pro- very promising reviews from debut film director Felipe Galvez Habel. Sorry if I butchered the pronunciation of that. It's set in 1901 in a region of Chile called the Tierra del Fuego. Mm. Um, 
basically, what this film is sort of has the setting of an American Western, but obviously set in a completely different part. A man called Menendez owns a vast, vast part of this land, this huge archipelago. And we see the opening of this film as he is constructing, or him and his team are constructing this fence that stretches across the landscape. They're essentially settling into completely uncharted land, trying to build an economy, trying to essentially develop the country as we understand it. Um, and this, what essentially happens is this administrative expedition turns into a violent hunt for the Onas um, or the, and the Selkan people, which are one of the indigenous peoples of the Tierra del Fuego. And he says, there are savages on these lands, refers to them as Indians. I want you to go and take care of them for me. And he tasks this uh, job to a guy, a British soldier called Alexandra McLennan, who's Scottish. And he basically is with this ragtag group of, uh, of people who are just basically building this fence. And uh, he needs to find someone who's good at shooting. He needs to find someone else who knows the land and knows the people. And he ends up being uh, he, sort of this guy, this man who's half... Uh, native half white called Segundo is turns out to be a very good shot with a rifle and he doesn't really have a choice in the matter but he ends up having to go with Alexander McLennan across the land you've also got this uh, slightly ra well, definitely racist uh, American called Bill who also accompanies them and they're sort of this unlikely group of three who are tasked with going across this land and uh, it basically, the story goes on from there and tells a story kind of about the origins of how Chile became, or this region of Chile developed and became what it is today. There are a lot of scenes which are very difficult to watch and it's definitely violent. You've got this very classic thing in cinema where you have an absolutely beautiful landscape contrast mm. with very horrible scenes of violence. The design and the, the, the cinematography of this film, George, was just absolutely breathtaking. Mm, wow just stunning like so you have if you've ever studied rules of composition especially in landscape photography i cannot praise it enough for having immaculate blocking rule of thirds leading lines s's and twos that carry the mm. the eye down i was just many of the scenes are intercut with shots of this gorgeous vast un uncharted mm. untamed land and I looked at so many of the scenes and what I really, really praised for it is that the blocking and the balance of every single frame was so well done that I felt like if you removed the dialogue entirely, I'd understand the drama in every scene, even if no one spoke. Wow. And I think that's a real praise to it as just as a storyboarded. And, you know, we sort of the first it's, it's 95 minutes long, this film, and the first two thirds of it. It's uh, the dialogue is very minimal. It's very selective with what it chooses to say. And you almost go. I understand completely the dynamic from just looking at this scene, and and the color is phenomenal. That it's it's in four by three aspect ratio, and just every single time that camera was put in a new location, I just thought, wow, was it a little bit too perfect? Maybe. You know, sometimes people um, criticize the films of Tom Ford. I love them, but for being almost a little bit too perfectly yeah, manicured too and fashion editorialized. Um, and you know, I think Tom Ford's films sort of have a nice quality to them, but I sort of almost understand that criticism. Sometimes I was looking at this film, and it looks like a, a gorgeous Ralph Lauren high concept huh. magazine editorial outfit. I mean, like to, they were just beautiful leather satchels, fur wool. Mm. Does Stunning. That, is that ever problematic? Does it ever glamorize? It's not glamorized. It's just um, really intentionally blocked and placed, so mm. everyone is so. Uh, you, you could just cut to a wide of people 
traveling in a campsite and the way in which people are leant up against a tree, sat by the mm. fire, stood smoking a pipe. Mm. It feels like a painting. And I actually, considering what it's trying to do, admired its clarity and its precision in that. And I just thought, beautiful. Um, I think you've got some really great performances. Um, you've got uh, Mark Stanley, who plays Alexander McLennan, mm. uh, Camilo Aranciba, uh, Benjamin Westfall and Sam Sproul's in there as well. Um, the film does this really interesting thing where sort of about two thirds of the way through, we cut forward seven years in the future. Um, and I had that classic thing where I'm in the cinema, someone goes, two people go to the toilet right before that seven oh. years later moment happens and they come back and the film really shifts gear. And I just, I, they came back in. I'm like, none of the rest of the film is yeah. going to make sense to you because you don't understand. But anyway, the film really changes in the last sort of 20, 30 minutes. And we get dialogue becomes way more important. It leads to an ending, which I found really sort of quite powerful. Um, it's 95 minutes long, which is short, but it feels much longer than that. Not because it's bad, but more so its pacing, especially in the first two minutes, is very decisive and very slow and very precise. Uh, but if you'd blind put, put me into that film blind and told me it was two and a half hours, I might have believed you mm. just because it was very slow and decisive. But what I will say, it's very powerful. It's gorgeous to look at. Like, like thematically, a lot of what's important happens outside of the frame. But you're left with this very strong feeling when you leave the when you leave the cinema. And there's a really fantastic quote around the middle where this guy says. Uh, the wool you carry has no value because it's stained with blood. Mm. And this is a really great idea that like, no matter what advancement and economy and productivity you bring to this nation, it's always been tainted because of the way in which you systematically like, put, carried out a genocide for indigenous people. And it's, it's really thought-provoking without shoving mm. it in your face. I think if you are someone... You know, we get emails sometimes about people wanting to find something that challenges the way in, they, the way in which they watch films and mm. the way in which they're confronted with imagery, and you're looking to palate cleanse yourself from uh, studio-sanctioned films, I would really recommend The Settlers uh, to go and watch it. It's not an easy watch, but I think it does what a lot of really great historical films do, which is that it puts you in a time and place and makes you feel like you're there. You learn something about a period of history that you didn't know before, and when the film ends, you actually want to go and seek out a little bit more about that subject mm. a bit more and I think it really succeeds in that in that sense it's, it's very very good so where can people see that at cinema yeah it's showing in cinema Great. it's not got the biggest release it's not the biggest film but I saw it at a cousin and yeah it's got it's still got screenings so this is recorded on the day before this comes out so you can definitely go and see it this week Fantastic. strong recommend so if you guys have seen is it Settlers or Set, The Settlers The Settlers if you guys have seen The Settlers let us know at hello at popkitchenpodcast.com Sounds like a very visually striking film. Yeah. Um, I'm actually quite keen to check that out. 95 minutes as well, always a sign. 95 point. minutes, yeah. Um, yeah, let us know. Yeah, I like what it did with sort of its dialogue flip. Dialogue not so important, visuals are much more yeah. important, and this really great, uh, great dialogue that sort of it really leans into it and it really goes for it and it ends. You know that nice little adjustment when film's doing it switches you up. Mm. I, I enjoyed that and I thought it was very, uh, very disciplined, tells a story with a very steady hand. Mm. The Settlers. The number of times I wanted to pause it and just admire the frame. And I went, I want that as my desktop wallpaper. I want that as my desktop wallpaper. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
So let's do the Iron Claw, which, as I mentioned, James has already reviewed two months go ago. If you want to go and check out that review, I think it was before Christmas. It was the same episode where I did my review of Poor Things. So yes. um, if you want to listen to that, you can check that out. Uh, I've now seen it, so we can discuss it between the two of us. The Iron Claw, directed by Sean Durkin, who made Martha Macy, May Marlene, and The Nest, two movies that I really like and I recommend that people going to watch. Um, the Iron Claw, which I'm describing as Foxcatcher meets Little Women. Yeah, Foxcatcher is definitely a vibe with Iron Claw. And yeah. I think Little Women. Yeah, yeah. I think true. there's a whole sort of sibling. Yeah, those two things are in there. Although mm. we'll get onto this, but Foxcatcher about a, Foxcatcher, which is about a different type of wrestling, which is Greco-Roman wrestling, which is oh, not yeah, like yeah. this, which is entertainment wrestling. So. Um, the plot, it follows, based on true story, the uh, triumphs and tragedies of the Von Erich family, um, who are presided over by the patriarch Fritz Von Erich, played by, I have to say, a fantastic Holt McCallany. Yeah. Probably, of all the great performances in the film, probably my favourite in the, in the mm. whole film, I have to say. Really, really excellent work. Um, we, we see Fritz Von Erich uh, at the beginning of the film in a, sort of a, a, a younger age, this sort of gorilla of the ring. And he is a very much a domineering figure, tells his children, tells his family, you know, this is our this is our destiny, this is what we're meant to do. I missed out on, you know, a football career, but we're gonna we're gonna win the the championship. And then uh, we cut forward to the early nineteen eighties where Fritz von Erich is is retired but presides over his children who are all vaguely involved in sport. You have the eldest child, well, second eldest child, uh, Kevin, played by Zach, Zach Efron, the eldest child, actually. The, the eldest brother died when he was six years old. And it's this sort of tragedy that looms over the family. You then have the uh, the next young... The, the, you have Zach Efron is the oldest. And then uh, you have Kerry, who's played by Jeremy Allen White, who is a very competent and successful discus thrower and has a shot at the Olympics coming up. You have... Um, you then have uh, Harris Dickinson as David Von Erich, who is younger but also quite mature and is... Has, because he's not carrying the pressure of being the oldest brother that Zac Efron's character is, he has been able to be a bit more gifted the gab, is more naturally charismatic in the ring. Um, and you also have uh, Stanley Simmons as Mike Von Erich, the younger brother who isn't really interested in wrestling at all, is much more interested in uh, music and is very much like the young the young brother. You've got Maura Tierney uh, as the mother, Doris Von Erich, and you've also got Lily James in there as well as a sort of love interest for... Kevin, Zach Efron's character. Um, and yes, it follows the sort of the wrestling careers of, of, of these brothers and how it kind of takes a hold. But it's called The Iron Claw, and James mentioned this in his review for two reasons. One, it is the signature move that Fritz von Erich used in the ring that his sons also use of pinning someone down on the face and inflicting maximum pain. It's a great sort of entertainment showstopper. But I also you think it's... It up like, yeah, you hold it up, he shows the crowd. <laughs> I also don't think it's too glib to show that the Iron Claw is also the hold that Fitz von Erich has on his family and on his sons and the way, the kind of the existence and the life they lead. Um, let's start with, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I was, I, was pretty, I was pretty happy with the Iron Claw. I was, I was pretty impressed with, with a couple of things. Um, I, think, uh, I think everyone is doing great work. Mm. I think it's well directed. I think that the, the performances are great. I think uh, Zac Efron is, doing, is, is being very tender and shy. Harris Dickinson is... It, it, the dynamics between the brothers worked. I, again, I think Holt McCallany is fantastic. I do think this film and this type of film 10 years ago would have got many Oscar nominations. Yeah, and I, I think a, a Holt McCallany would have been a supporting actor contender. I do, I, do, I do think that this kind of evil, conflicted 
presence. But but what I like about him uh, in the film is that whenever he was on screen, I felt threatened and I felt in yeah. danger and I felt sorry for the for the for the boys. Um, I will just say that there, I think uh, it, there are two things that kind of stopped me from oversharing it with praise. I've seen lots of people being very effusive about it. There's just two things coming back. One is the thing that happened with you, which is that I just don't understand wrestling. <laughs> Thank you. Okay? Thank and you. It, and, it's not, and, and, and it might be that because you pointed it out, I was more aware of it, but I'm like, this isn't like Foxcatcher where they're actually yeah. competing for a thing. This is slightly stage managed and performance and performance based. Uh, in the ring, I'm like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, yeah. they're they're training up for it, and Zac Efron is wearing this like almost uncomfortably swollen yeah. torso. He's not wearing it; he's, he's, he's beefcake. He literally up. is. And he looks. I mean, he looks, looks like, like a tied up turkey. He looks like a dried out sponge. He looks like a Stretch Armstrong. Yes, he's just. <laughs> He looks like the thing, actually, from uh, or He Man. He, he's kind of like yeah, He Man, Thor. Anyway, Luferigno in the Hulk. Yes, absolutely. He. Um, there's a point, quite frustratingly, where uh, Lily James raises this question. Pam, uh, the character, raises this question with with Kevin, and I thought, great, this is where the film's going to address it. And he answers it in a way that just does not answer no. the question. She's and like, it's our thing. Right? The problem is, is that for the rest of the film. I'm like, I want to invest in the stakes and the drama that you're going through, but I just, I don't understand how it works. You've shown me a scene in which behind, um, in the locker room, you and your opponents are deciding what moves are going to be played. Yeah. But then you've also shown me a scene where you're getting frustrated at the fact that you didn't win and, and a fight didn't go well. And I, I'm sorry, that was really distracting for me. Yeah. It really kind of held me back because I'm thinking... Is this sport or is it performance? Did you not know you were going to lose? Yes, it's an unnecessary distraction. Yeah. And maybe in America, like it just doesn't. This film will probably play better in America because people just understand that and know that better. But mm. I have to say, from my perspective, I, I that, what there was an unfortunate distraction. I also think the thing is to say is that the story really is very extraordinary and very interesting, and the whole thing plays kind of quite well as a Greek tragedy. And there's yeah. actually I won't spoil it. There is a, there is we were just talking off air. There is a moment of. Um, Greek mythology symbolism used, which I thought was quite uh, touching. But, uh, and, and when I did some reading after the film about it, there's, there's so much more that, that just wasn't in the film. You know, yeah. necessary dramatic license means you have to cut things out, but I was quite extraordinary. I mean, just off the cuff, there was actually a, 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 another whole other brother that, had been, that has been omitted, exercised from yeah. this film, just for, I guess for the sake of dramatic space. But the thing is with that is that I... I, I, I liked all the dramatic ingredients that were there, but because there was so much to cover, mm. I, I, I felt like I was never, I, get, I was getting glimpses of characters and glimpses of interest, but I was kind of underserved on a lot of things. I really wanted more interiority to, to, to characters. Jeremy Allen White's character is a perfect example. Kerry, you know, gets a shot at the Olympics, which is then denied because of, you know, geopolitical things that are happening in the 80s. And... There are a lot of times with his particular character who comes into the film about halfway through. Yeah. And I was like, I want to know what's going on in your side, your head. And the same with Harris Dickinson's. You get glimpses, mm. but I wanted more interiority because I think they've got great dramatic potential. Even Lily James is underused and, and, and Maura Tierney's character is yeah. kind of underused. I wanted more. We're giving glimpses, good glimpses, great dramatic moments, but I just couldn't help think that I would almost have preferred to have watched a three-hour version of this film where I really got to know and understood each character. Or great a great miniseries. A great miniseries, which is, I know it's a bit of a lazy criticism these days, but the thing is, when you've got such great dramatic potential, so many different perspectives, so many different characters, I, would, I thought, mm, that's, I really could have it, um, I enjoyed that as a series to kind of draw that out. But that said, um, the longer the film goes on, 
the story is extraordinary and the emotional kind of punches although they didn't land me at first they did start to build and i have to say i thought the last scene was really well well pitched emotional lands its lands its punch anyone who has family but particularly brothers i mean i have a brother that it just ah really really well also ends on a fantastic song that's written for the film it's often, oh, it's rare right. that we often shout shout out to films that are um, that are songs that are purpose written for that, yeah. but it ends on this track, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. And mm. I looked it up, and it's written for the film. It's fantastic, works perfectly, and that ending, in a way, did a lot of remedial work to kind of just push the film just up a little bit. Mm. Um, so it's 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 interesting. It's got great performances. Sean Durkin is a is a good director. He can do a lot with showing a little. I just wish he'd shown more, <laughs> frankly. And it's a good criticism. It's like, I actually would have liked a little bit more. And, and bizarrely, there was this thing where you're always aware. I, I sometimes got a bit lost about where to pitch the success of the Von Erich family because the father will always make them think that they are on the cusp of greatness but never achieving it. That they, they, they're, they're trying to get this big title, but they've never had it. So I got this kind of sense that they're like minor players in the world of wrestling. They're almost <laughs> greats, right? But they live on a massive ranch and they seem mm. to be very popular. And then when certain events happen, there are lots of people out to sort of support them. And then um, at the end of the film, it mentions, you know, there's a little postscript where it says, all oh, the Von Erichs, you know, inducted into the WWE Hall of mm. Fame. They're regarded as one of the greatest families in American wrestling. And when I read up on them afterwards, they were they were more successful than I think was conveyed to me in I the think film. they were big regional stars of wrestling. Yes. And it was the, trying to get themselves into that national, national thing. Yeah. So oh, they were fair. succeeding in their own sphere okay. in Texas and it was about graduating. That's into, right. And the, the WWF at the time wasn't, yes. it, was, it was like the establishment of these two things and they were maybe going to establish what it was. I think that's that, true. that was probably it. And there's even, sorry, there's lots of interesting dramatic threads. There's something with between um, Kevin and his father, between Kevin and Fritz, towards the end of the film where they're watching TV and Kevin sort of says, you know, I noticed something about... I can't say because it's a spoiler. And I'm like, that's very interesting. That's actually a major thing, but that's only given that kind of line for detail. So it does with what it does with what, with what it gives you, it's, it's very competent and it, and it, and it's serviceable. I just think actually it almost could have been better with all those dramatic Mm. ingredients. I thought the same thing. I thought that the tracks laid yeah. for such a long part of the film laid a great foundation for great tragedy. And all of those brothers to me, mm. especially when you've got four brothers, to, they all feel really distinct and individual and I understand all of them and their struggle. I think it's really hard to do that when they kind of look very similar yeah. and are doing the same thing on screen. So when you do get to the moments where different things are happening to different people, some of them just felt really, really rushed. And I'm yes. like, hang on, what happened? Yes. And yeah. oh my God, and now I'm sort of still processing it, but the film has moved on in time and moved on to the next thing. Mm. So that's the only thing I felt like I was a little bit playing catch up. But yeah. as you said, the ending is is very yeah. sad and it yeah. really does work and it, it, it does land where it needs to. Yeah, and, um, and I can think of individual moments that i think are very like i said competent it's a competent film yeah it just could be it just could be greater and then you've got like scenes which you're saying where it's like i gotta train for the fight for the big thing and i'm still scratching my head because i've got this tragedy on one sense but i'm scratching my head being like but why are you training in that way and do you not know and it it is yeah unfortunately a bit strategy i did go on a bit of a sort of I, I, we put the audience out, the question out to the audience, how the hell does wrestling work when I reviewed it? I don't and people know if anyone, did and, and people give different yeah. answers, which kind of shed a bit of light, but no one yeah. quite knows. I, I would say if you would, if I can be glib with a comparison, like the film, I felt like I was always on the ring side. I was never in the ring. Very good. So I, I, I was a passive spectator, yeah. interested, 
but I was never actually where I wanted to be. Yeah. In the and I, I do think Zac Efron's physicality, it's, it's, it's very much present, but it does work in the fact that he carries the pressure of everything on his shoulders, and Absolutely. his shoulders are so big because he is strained and under pressure and forcing himself into this position. Yeah. There, is, there is an element of that which I think is very interesting. He's intentionally yeah. physically contrasted to everyone else. Mm. He bears the, the brunt of the, iron, of the iron claw more oh, that's than why anyone. It has that kind of mythology, Greek mythology kind of... Yeah, yeah, totally. but uh, but yeah, really, uh, yeah. I've said actually, I've said I've said everything. I don't yeah. even say anymore. Well, guys, let us know if you had any other thoughts on just wrestling in general and the Iron Claw. We'd love to hear them as always. Uh, we did get a couple of emails closer to the time, but uh, we'd still love to hear your thoughts. Send them into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. It's also I just realised it's the first time I've ever seen Harris Dickinson in anything because I didn't see oh, Scrapper. Oh yeah, and I didn't see uh, the Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, and I didn't see enough. the King's Man. And yeah. I haven't seen Beach Rats, but I, he's so I, hot I, right now. Very much enjoyed him. Very yeah. much. My sister just watched uh, Scrapper because I recommended it to her. She watched it on a plane. She said she really enjoyed it. Oh, good. That's all. That Harris Dickinson. Mm. He's in the most interesting scenes in the Triangle of Sadness, mm. but that film loses my interest the more mm. it went on. But yeah, the Iron Claw. Guys, we are about to go into our email section. We have just realized for about 20 minutes, George's camera wasn't rolling. For yes. all of you listening, business as usual, the yes. audio is recording fine. Just for the visual, you just have me for 20 minutes, but George is here. You'll be able to hear him. Yes. Uh, we are now recording on his camera, so you'll see George in the second half of the emails and obviously the game, but just wanted to say that for people who are watching. I'm not just being selfish with the edit. And I want it to be all of me. <laughs> it's all of me. It's all of me. Well, see you in a bit then, yeah, guys. See you in a bit. <laughs> Here are the emails. Anyway. On the Iron Claw, Taha writes into the show, friend of the show, and says, hello, George and James. I just finished watching your episode on the Iron Claw. I'm catching up on the award season films as they are coming out here and thus going back to listen to the episodes I skipped over. Firstly, to address James's question, and now George's question, about progression in wrestling. While I'm no wrestling aficionado, I did watch it during the majority of my teenage years. I agree that the film never properly explains how these people progress upwards, but I still think it depicts that progression fairly well. Professional wrestling is basically a stunt person show off where you progress not only on your athletic prowess, but also on your charisma, your ability to keep yourself relevant to audiences, and of course, on your ability to keep returning to the ring, even after enduring many beatings. This is particularly important, as even though the events may be scripted, the risk is very real, something the film depicts multiple times through all four brothers. Can I just say on that? I I, I believe you, Yeah, yeah. but I I think as an audience, we need to see the deciding factor of what, you know, if it's a football film, football, English football, soccer... If a ball goes into the goal, well, they've scored a goal. We know yeah. that's a victory. If it doesn't, we, it doesn't, right? And the characters are stressed about their progression. And, and also there's, a, there's one shot where Jeremy Allen White is like covered in blood. And I'm like, how? Because they don't show how. I'm like, how did that happen? Isn't it all scripted? How did you get blood in? And he's like in the locker room, like looking dazed afterwards. I'm like, but, but why are you bloody? It, how can you get bloody in some fights and not in others? If, if you and me are going to wrestle, right? right? And we plan our moves and we plan who's going to win. We'll do this thing, then this thing, then this thing. Can I double cross you? By actually in the ring, like messing with you a bit and and taking you down, and like I said, I was going to do this, but actually, but then, I don't uh, but win. then, but then the hits, all the punches are not real punches, and and like, and if you decide to do a wrestling move on me, do I have to? That's do I have, have to, to cooperate? Because like when you do the the body slam, I've got to be slammed by you. Like a di- yeah, do you, is it like the rules that you have to go along with it? Otherwise, you're both going to get injured. I don't, I don't know. How, uh, moreover, I found its depiction of the problems in the sport very honest. There are numerous accounts exist of even top-level WWE wrestlers having to push themselves to the extremes to ensure 
sorry, to ensure their careers only to face enduring long-term problems without sufficient financial means to address them. Mm. Uh, this is very true, very true of boxing, all combat sports. Um, it's, it's, it's head trauma, isn't it, ultimately? Totally. Uh, however, while I did enjoy the movie overall, I do agree with your assessment that the emotional punch does not land. Uh, so, some, some of the, some of the punches, punches don't does, does not land. I feel this is because uh, the script lacks a certain discipline. I feel the film should have taken more of an artistic liberty to streamline the film further to ensure the audience okay. doesn't become desensitized from tragedy after tragedy. Also, I never feel the long building tension from Fritz's treatment of his sons is given the cathartic resolution that it needed. Instead, we are treated to a confrontation that barely lasts 30 seconds. I love Zac Efron's performance in the film, who basically looked like Lou Ferrigno's Hulk, <laughs> uh, and genuinely feel that a better script could have made his role even better. After watching the film, I did start thinking about other actors who had incredible performances acting against type. With Heath Ledger's Joker and Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, mm. I'm wondering if there are any others that you both particularly enjoyed. Anyway, sorry for the rather long email. As always, I love the podcast and always feel while you come for the film discussion, you stay for the remarkably impressive impressions. Best yeah, regards, yeah, yeah. Taha. Thank you, Taha. Um, the... It's interesting because Taha said uh, reduced script, whereas yeah. we're actually longing for well, something a bit thing. more I think if you, if you reduce that story, more. you reduce what makes that story so interesting and special, yeah. basically. I would actually like to go deeper. Um, yeah, if you reduce it down, I think you take away of, of the special ingredients. In terms of actors playing against type, just since we just mentioned mm. it, um, Steve Carell and Foxcatcher. Totally, yeah. yeah. In Steve fact, Car- even Channing Tatum in that movie is kind yeah. of against type. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo is the only one who I'm like, yeah, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo, yeah. There's quite a transformation in that, Mark Ruffalo. Physical. And St- Steve Carell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't... I, that was... That was I, I found that interesting about Steve Carell bec- in that film because... That was when we were like, oh, Steve Carell, serious actor. Mm. I, I, anytime Steve Carell does a serious movie role, I'm like, oh, yeah, he can do this now. Mm. Yeah, he's very great. good. He's been liberated from the Michael Scott yeah. era. He's great in the big short as well. He's funny in the big short, but he's, he's frowning the entire time. He is. He is, <laughs> he is angry. He's quite good in Beautiful Boy with... Um, I've not seen Beautiful with, Boy. Um, a messy, really messy film. Right. But, yeah. like, but he's very good in it. Um, thank you, Taha. Thank you, Taha. George, should we go through some of the emails that we get sent into Hello at Pop Kitchen Podcast every single week? Absolutely. In fact, before we get to the emails, I'm actually going to read out a YouTube comment. What? We do get some interesting YouTube comments, and I would like to read this out. This is, I'm also slightly biased because this is left by Bob, who I went to school with. I haven't seen in many years, right. but good Hi, guy. Bob. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Um, very funny guy. He left this comment about the zone of interest, which we reviewed last week. Please go and check and it out. It's great. Bob said this, personally felt that the zone of interest lacked a story. I saw this film as a rejection of previous dramatic Holocaust attempts on screens, Schindler's List, The Pianist, etc. <clears throat> but I actually found this film left me slightly cold. I agree with George's minor point. I understood and appreciated the juxtaposition. But within the first 10 minutes, I, I did... Uh, but within the first 10 minutes, I didn't find that the film did anything particularly interesting with the, the Huss family after that initial setup. That being said, the sound design in this film is incredible and the ch- constant churn in the background is nauseating, intentionally so. Yeah, I mean, I think some things... It, it's deliberate that we don't get a lot to do with the Huss family, as we talked about last yeah. week. It's not about them. It's it's a framing device. And I, I do think that the zone of interest, I, I think it's incredibly powerful, but the more I've thought about it, and actually talking to other people, I think some people are chafing at the formal exercise yeah the dryness of it they see the point of it cerebrally intellectually yeah but as a aesthetic uh cinematic experience it can be a little it almost leans on the uh historical exhibition as cinema like Mm. like a capturing of a place in time but presented to you cinematically and that's it's not traditional in terms of here's a story here's like i told you there's no there's no protagonist or antagonist really no it's more about the setting it's is what is is what carries you through it is it's kind of like yeah it's a statement of fact i think yeah. the word exhibition is quite apt because sometimes I, it almost felt like 
a commissioned cinema uh, experience. A commissioned, uh, an exhibition you'd yeah. see, uh, a historical exhibition, yeah. art exhibition. Uh, thanks, Bob. Like a cinematic exercise to make you feel empathy towards a situation and a moment yes. in time and a place. And which is a shame if you if you if you're aware of the construction, if you're aware of the contrivance that yeah. can sometimes go against any sort of emotional truth you're trying to get to. And Rudolf Hess and his family, I said this in review, they used as tools, not as characters. Yes, like they never felt like they were being humanized or I was yeah. meant to sort of feel which empathy. They, yeah, which they shouldn't be. But no. as a result, if you're watching a tool on screen, mm. sometimes that's not compelling for an audience, evil yeah. or not evil. For a long period of time. Sometimes you, you just want a Scorsese voiceover, you know? <laughs> I take two in the morning and three in the afternoon. Anyway, next up on the emails. Uh, this next one is from Adriana, who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like you says. You can. And with subject line, I am not okay, dot, dot, dot. With Oppenheimer getting all those Oscars, Oppenheimer oh, is I my see. newest... I'm not okay... With all those Oscars getting... With, is oh, that? that's I'm good. Okay that's good. I totally didn't connect that. I am not okay, dot, 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 with Oppenheimer getting all those Oscars. Oppenheimer is my newest controversial opinion. For me, it, this, sorry, I literally said this last week. People either think Oppenheimer is fantastic and incredible and Nolan's best film, or they're like, that was shit. I think I, I yeah, do not yeah, see... Yeah. I think you and, you and me are like having bits in the middle where yeah. we think parts that we think are really great problems. I just do not hear anyone else saying... It's middling. No, Everyone true. says it's fantastic or it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, um, for me, it's remarkably bad. The score is awful, distracting, and at times awful. physically painful. The acting is just average, exception made to Robert Downey Jr. The story is all over the place. It lacks focus and intention. It is a fake biopic because there is so little of Oppenheimer in it. I would dare to say that Einstein is more of a star. Is I, it I, every yeah. scene? <laughs> I, I remember saying out loud after the credits went up in the theater, someone needs to confiscate Nolan's license to make movies. Come on, move on to another profession, mate. <laughs> I mean, harsh, and I don't, and I don't I agree. I do, I but, do, yeah. but you're very entertaining. Killian Murphy's me. in eighty-five percent, ninety percent of that 90% film. Of the, film. the only scenes Downey he's Junior not, scenes with the only right? scenes he's not in are the Downey Junior black and white scenes. Yeah, he's in everything else, and his his performance is very good. Yeah, uh, and also yeah. I don't say I, that film doesn't lack intent. It has it has purpose and it has intent. Whether yeah. how it executes it is up to you, but I don't think it. Yes, he likes deconstructing time and space and all of that, but you still have a job to do. Tell a story. You can deconstruct it, but then you need to build something interesting, compelling, and with good sense of composition. Otherwise, it is just destruction. Jesus Christ, Adriana. Um, no, go for it. I mean, yeah, you're to a video, but Love wow. It. All right, otherwise you, you it are is just destruction. <laughs> I am become reviewer, <laughs> become the destroyer of Oppenheimer. Close up on Adriana's face. This <laughs> Mark Kermode walks away. <laughs> All right, that being said, I feel better now and can comment on the good stuff. Yesterday, my husband and I went to see Poor Overs, Poor Things, dinner, then Holdovers. Very oh. good. Oh, that's a, a Poor great Overs. Dub. Begin with Poor Things and finish with the Holdovers. Like, so instead different. of Oppenheimer, I like. I think you definitely have to finish with the Holdovers. Yes, I think so too. But I think poor so too. Could probably kind of holdovers lends itself to an evening, uh, evening watch, and you could we could watch poor. Yeah, no, I think holdovers could also work in an afternoon. I think poor things is very much like Saturday night. You're mm. open to doing weird and kooky things. I want to watch poor holdovers at Christmas. Oh, definitely, mm. oh, definitely. I will be I watching. Will it. Save it. For, I think yeah. the holdovers would be a great double bill with Little Women as new cinema yes. films. Yes. Uh, Paul Vick's dinner then hold over I very much agree with the comments on the mesmerizing visual experience and the feminist content it is a unique twist things. to coming of age stories it is all about female agency in a world that sees Bella more mature than she is that's, that's very true my read tells me that she ends the movie at around 18 years old she starts touching herself like any toddler but her body response is sort of a full formed woman mm. as she orgasms mm. 
Later, she is discovering her sexuality. Most teenage females think about sex a lot, explore their bodies, the meaning of their bodies. It is a highly susceptible life stage. She is on a journey to understand and explore physical sex, but she is still far from understanding the abstract love and other ways of feeling happiness, which feels like the whole point of Martha's character, brackets the lady on the boat. The last section for me was crucial to understand Victoria already, ha ha uh, already had sexual inclinations not accepted by her husband and by the Times. As her husband states, she always had troubles with her sexuality. I also really enjoy the fact that not all men are terrible. It's a very interesting movie about growing up, exploring the world, returning home, and finding one's groove in life. That was very well written. Mm, I agree. really like that. Yeah, lots of interesting thoughts there. Um, the Holdovers was a relaxing... It, it's, it's sort of like sexually... That it, it, it has so much to say sexually. Poor things, yes. Yeah, and it's almost a bit... Uh, experience watching it, especially for the first time, like, where do we mean here, and what, what yeah. does all this mean? So much of it is funny and sensationalist, a little bit shocking, a little bit threatening... So there's just a lot to unpack there, but I actually really like what you said about that. Uh, the Holdovers was a, was a relaxing breath. Breathe? Breath. breath. Yeah, but it said breathe with an E. Should be breath. The Holdovers was a relaxing breathe. An easing storytelling <laughs> with great value content. We are all going through something. We all come from somewhere and have fears and reserves. It yeah. is a delicate portrait of different suffering and joy in every character. I'm cheering for Devine for the Oscars because as much as I like Emily Blunt, her performance in Oppenheimer is not deserving of an award. <laughs> Part of what I value in acting is the dynamic between the actors in the scene. The responsiveness in the play, the dance, chemistry is hard to act. A face in the camera in a close-up feels shallower to me. I realize now that it's been almost a year from the last time I wrote, but I'm always here. Here, talking to you in my head. Cheers, Adriana, the 40 plus Brazilian woman texting from the north of Germany. Yes, our north, German, remember, contingent. Our north German contingent. Absolutely. Glad yeah. to have you still on board, Adriana. Thank you so much, Adriana. Uh, fantastic. Lovely email. email. And three films for the price of one there. Uh, this next email is from Matt, who writes in and says, Hi, lads. Matt here again. Hope you've had a good start to the year. Mm. The other day, for the first time in forever, I was channel surfing and came across one Frozen. of my favorite Tom Cruise films, Jerry Maguire. Nice. I think it may be my second favorite just behind Top Gun Maverick. Ooh, what's your favorite Tom Cruise film? Well, uh, I haven't seen Jerry Maguire in a very long time. My yeah. favorite Tom Cruise movie... Mm, okay, I'm trying to think franchise or non-franchise. Mm, I'm a few good men. Yeah, he's good that. It's uh, my favorite Tom Cruise performance, I think. He's quite good in Rain Man. No, my favorite Tom... Okay, that's a better question. Performance versus film, actually. It's a different conversation. my favorite Tom Cruise performance is probably Magnolia. Have you seen that? Oh, no, but I've really, heard, Really, yeah. really against type. Like, I should watch that. I do one of his most interesting roles. He's good in The Born on the Fourth of July. Mm. Uh, He's very good in Valkyrie as well. Yes. Minority Report. Yeah. Also a good film. Does it age well, Minority Report? Um, well, I, it, probably, because it's got touch technology. Yeah, but no, exa okay. exactly why it wouldn't age. Oh, and I not see. the tech in it, more... I, I can't picture that film. I can't place that film very well in my head. I have anyway, to do a rewatch sorry. at some point. Anyway, also worth noting uh, what I, that whatever I think or mention of Top Gun Ma Maverick, I immediately do an impression of Al Pacino once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, oh what a picture. What a picture. Any thoughts on Jerry Maguire? Well, I've not seen it. In a, I, be, I, be, I don't think I can even say I've seen it. Probably seen it twice uh, over... Last time would have been seven plus years ago, I think, but I think yeah. it's great. Don't believe it's a film you've discussed on the pod before. Hope to hear your thoughts. All the best. Keep being awesome, Matt. I think it's a great film. I, I wish Tom Cruise would, especially now Mission Impossible is coming to an end, rest action Tom Cruise a little bit. Yes. Even do like a Val yes. Valkyrie, which technically is like quite an, an action thriller. Bring him into the drama genre. Br oh, bring him into drama. Like have him, you could throw Tom Cruise into Oppenheimer 
and he would do a fantastic job. Wow, that's a thought. I'm not saying that would happen, but I, I feel like he is good enough I, to be slotted in. Yeah. Like I think Downey Jr. Do was slotted th- into Oppenheimer and really thrived. What I do like about Nolan is that the way he casts, he does cast very interestingly. Yeah. And he really, uh, I can see his thought process when he's talked about it, like, with Rob, with with Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar, yeah, he totally. was like, it was before the. He said it was not due to the reconnaissance or anything. It's that he saw McConaughey as like this kind of space cowboy, yeah, someone who was like a maverick pilot, but maybe slightly, you know, because he's southern, is slightly out of the intellectual elite of NASA. Mm. And, and uh, with with Robert Downey Jr., he said he always thought he was an interesting actor, charismatic, and wanted to. I, I don't know. I just think he's been very involved. In Met the him for uh, a role in Batman Begins pre. Pre Batman, no, met um, Danny Jr. Um, yeah, and it, it didn't go anywhere. I think it was they potentially friends. But, did they? They seem to. Yeah, have I think I think it would have would have been potentially to play Kit Scarecrow, which Killian Murphy ironically oh, got. Oh yeah, because um, Killian Murphy did a screen test for Batman, which you can find online. It's yeah. quite interesting. This next one is from Madeline, who writes in subject back at it again. Hey boys, Mads again from Aotearoa. Aotearoa. Try and read that aloud without the pronunciation oh. spelt out this time, George. Otoroa. It's Otoyaroa, I believe. Otoyaroa. Otoyaroa. A-O-T-E-A-R-O-A. New Zealand. Otoyaroa. Otoyaroa. Coming from my side of the world, I cannot put through an email without recommending you to watch Boy Swallows Universe. It came out in January and is an Australian TV show with the most wicked storyline that has been super refreshing to watch. I won't put any spoilers in, but the show is about two brothers who grow up in 1980s Brisbane and the realities of how drugs can affect all generations within a family. Then stems further into more interesting territory. It's one of the finest made shows I've seen in a few years. Just finished watching it as I'm writing this email and I have tears in my eyes. Wow. Sounds beautiful. As for poor things, it might, I may be one of the only people who are quite put off by the film. I haven't seen any of Yorgos Lanthimos's films, however, had heard of a couple of them. I could definitely, definitely say there were parts about the film, humor, cinematography, dialogue, that I found really interesting and enjoyable to watch. However, overall, I didn't enjoy how on edge I felt during the entire film. I've been tossing up whether it's the combination of the uneasy soundtrack, absurdism that came through the cinematography, and how those two interacted with the overuse of sex throughout Bella's whole life, or whether it wasn't a film for me. I would agree with James that it got to a point where I was like, we've seen this already. We know how grotesque the mindset of males interacting with Bella are, and it's not adding much other than further putting the audience at a lack at a point of ick slash disturbance. I would say I would have left the theater feeling more more wowed if there wasn't so much to feel ick about, haha, but to each their own. Mm. Interesting, different that takes on poor things there. I have like had that feeling when I was watching it, but so much of it I think is breathtaking. Last thing to top it all off, going back a few podcasts, I also really disliked the Hunger Games film. Oh. I haven't watched I watched it having not seen any of the Hunger Games trilogy in years and was constantly laughing at the singing, not singing, not that it was that bad, just really took you out of the film. Yeah, you hate it. It's awful singing. And also didn't, like, technically very good singing. But awful. Misplaced. Point, yeah. Also didn't care about any of the characters, same. There wasn't one person that I was like, ooh, they need to survive. Yeah, I would have loved to, I wanted them to die. Yeah, you would have wanted them to die anyways speech over keep up the good work lads loving your podcast lots of love from another one of your sirens mads smiley face this next email is about society of the snow which we reviewed a few weeks ago um and a lot of people talking about this is from francesca who says hello james and george long-term listener first time emailing in i just listened to your episode on society of the snow and love how well george sold the movie this is an epic story everyone in the spanish-speaking world has heard about over the years and grew up knowing especially if you're in south america I just want to clarify something that George said about where it was filmed. Bayona mentioned in, in various interviews that the Andes and the glacier shots were filmed where the actual plane crash happened, but due to how expensive and risky it would have been to bring the equipment, actors, and crew to film on location, they shot instead on a ski resort in Spain. Oh, fair enough. 
their amazing VFX team then edited edited in the Andes footage to make it seem like they filmed at the crash site. Um, I would recommend you watch the 30-minute documentary Netflix released a few weeks ago and how they made the movie. The film took 10 years to be made initially because no big studio was willing to fund the key elements of the film. It had to be in Spanish with unknown local actors with a Uruguayan accent. 11 days after its release on Netflix, the movie had 51 million views, reaching the all-time top 10 biggest non-English language films list. I don't work in the film industry, but shouldn't the success of this movie be proof that films in Spanish, particularly Latin American stories, are worth investing in? Love the show and have loads of fun playing along with your games. Fran, absolutely. Like, I mean... Mm. It just goes to show that it's it, again. It's the quality. People will follow a good story. The totally. quali- if, if the story is good and and the filmmaking is good, people will flock to it. Doesn't matter what language is it in. Doesn't yeah. matter if they watch, have to watch subtitles. It's, it's it also does have that um, Netflix elevator pitch appeal. It's yes. like playing Crash in the middle of nowhere. They have to survive as well as being a very excellent and moving tribute to that film and the, but the it's, events. It's funny. In ten years, we've gone from the impossible, which. J.A. Bayona directed, yeah. which was, had Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor, but was originally about Tom Holland, right? Was originally about that's based on a Spanish family's experience. Oh, uh, really? Was Eng- anglicized into oh, being wow. um, Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor to make it a mass market thing. And it just goes to if you just keep it true, be yeah. true, authenticity, it sells. This last one is from Dan, who writes in, All of us strangers in Gibraltar and says, Hello, George and James. It's I again, your number one listener slash fan slash friend from Gibraltar. Hey. I'm just writing to yourselves in regard regarding the average cinema experience we currently have out here. With just a solitary two-screen cinema in the middle of the town where the film releases are beyond average. If you want to watch extended drag-outs of Mean Girls and popular films, fill your boots, but there's very little in terms of variety. Having said that, I did manage to see All of Us Strangers last night on my, on my own at this particular cinema. Much to my amazement and wow, mm. I have never in my days experienced such a visceral, raw gut punch of a heartbreaker. What a cinematic masterpiece. I was drowning in every emotion throughout the entire piece. The acting flawless the 80s 90s music simplistic Mm. yet a huge part of the evocative sadness scott and mescal were tremendous in every sense of the word as were foy and bell i felt the cinema in i felt the cinema in devastation a 34 year old man crying uncontrollably as i navigated my moped back home back home to tears streaming into my hoodie i arrived home then had the overwhelming need to contact every close loved one and family Mm. member to check in with them via text or call which after hours managed to calm my soul This morning, trying to piece together why this film evokes such a heartbreaking turn in my weekend has baffled me beyond words. I've never had a reaction to a film like this before. Sure, I've cried, I've laughed, I've been mind-boggled by classics over the years, but never anything like this. Is it just me that's felt like this? Uh, No, we're all heartbroken. Anyway, I still adore your podcast. It gets me through every hellish week here. Thank you, guys. Also, James, sparkling water is incredible. Enough of that scuba tank pish. (laughs) I thank you. Your friend, Dan. Dan, thank you for that lovely email. I have to say, what's good about doing this show sometimes is that you can just tell, uh, I think, quite truthfully, the temperature of how a film is laying with an audience yeah. by how many emails we get in about something. Totally. And all of us strangers, we did get a lot, a lot of... Uh, Same with poor things, we got so many. A lot of... Past- oh, sorry, um, past lives. Past lives, exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and you just get an overflowing of feeling in it. And that's, that's really great. Guys, we have loads of other emails to read out. We will try and get to them. I, I think it's worth saying, we are at the point now, two and a half years into doing the podcast, but we, we do get a lot of emails in. Yeah. And we do try and read all of them, but 
don't be offended if your email doesn't get read out. It doesn't mean we didn't like you. It's just we're cut for time. It's production stuff. We are going to try and read out some emails in the bonus that comes out this week when we're talking about fair play. But don't be dispirited. Continue to write in because we love to hear from Some you. people are just sending us what they've seen recently, which is great. Love to know, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily, not, not necessarily interesting for everyone else. Yeah. And obviously some people are writing in with reviews of films we've just covered. So it's very current and contemporary. So yeah. important. So anyway, let's finish with the emails now and go on, James, with a game. Yes. George, yes. as always, Pop Kitchen ends with a game. With a game. I have two games for you. One game is a caster's countdown, which we'll end with. Classic. The other one is a film title movie opposite. Oh, another classic. I will give you the opposite, the antonyms of a film title, mm. and you have to tell me which film it is. Deal. I was sort of, I'm, I'm running out of films. I look at like, I type in films into Google and like, I just choose a year, like yeah, another yeah. year, just because I can't. I can't, it's like someone says name a book. I need to just like be confronted with 50 films and they go, what's, yeah, I'll do that, that, yeah. that. I'm running out. Do you think you've repeated yourself at all? I think we we have repeated ourselves a couple of times. I think like when one person yeah. did it and the other person, but it's, it's still fun. Sure. But um, yeah, I'm really trying to look for films that work with an opposite. And some films just, some words don't have opposites. You have to get creative. But anyway, George, just in case you've never played before, if for example, yes. if I said, uh, After do... Sorry? If you did after sun, you'd It'd say be like before, before moon. moon. That would be it. All right, George, are you ready? I'm ready. You have to guess the film from its opposite film title. Ready? Day Walk. Night Crawler. Night Swim? Yes. Oh, night Swim, yes. Lamborghini. Ferrari. Yes. Someone, including me. Uh, anyone but you? Yes. The Unremarkable Capture. The Remarkable... The Great Escape. Yes. Unprepared Observer 2. Unprepared Observer 2. One something. Ready Player One. Yes. Future Deaths. Past Lives. Yes. Loki, Hate and Lightning. Thor, God, uh, Love and Thunder. Yes. The Destroyer. The Survivor. The Savior. The the Creator. The Creator. Ugly is not confident. Beauty is not... Oh, sorry, ugly is confident. No, sorry, ugly is not confident. Ugly is not confident. Beauty... Ugly. Beauty is... Bo is afraid. First day in suburbia. Hang on, hang <laughs> on. That doesn't work. Carry on. First day in suburbia. Last night in Soho. Yes. Pepper, extinguish. Salt, burn. <laughs> yes. Black silence. White noise. Yes. That's it. There you go. Oh, there yeah. we go. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. I made those five minutes before you came. I can tell. Yep. <laughs> All right. Last up, we have a cast this countdown. There are 20 members of this cast. Oh I'm gonna, well, there's actually more, but I'm going to read. I've read. I'm reading out all the big ones. Okay. So you've got you've got a long you've got a long time to try and get it. Yep. Are you ready, George? You have to guess the film from its cast. Joanna Page. Will Arnett. Nick Mohammed. Okay. Jim Broadbent, Jesse Buckley, Jason uh, Manzukas, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard. Thank you. Francis De La Tour. Uh, okay. French. Antonio Banderas. Uh, Michael Sheen. Craig Robinson. John Cena. Uh, Kumail Ninjani. Rafe Fiennes. What? <laughs> Rami Malek. Emma Thompson. 
Octavia Spencer. What? Selena Gomez. <laughs> Tom Holland. What? And last one, Robert Downey Jr. Does that give it away? Do and why? Tell. Yes. And why it's a cheat? Because it's all voice. of those, almost all of those actors are not visible. They're all voices voice of actors. the animals. That is a little bit of a cheat. It's but, a cheat, but, but what a cast. Yeah. I mean, I was, th- yeah, I mean, now now I can- like, It's a huge cheat. I was trying to visualize them being on on screen together, but they, they're the, not. No. Because I think like huge, broad comedy? No. It's Do like, little. it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. finished with Marvel and he needed, to, and he had, this was his first film post. It was, Marvel, wasn't it? And it's like, he, he kind of like, it was like, and everyone's like, God, that was horrible. Now you've got that out your system. Mm. Why didn't you go and do Oppenheimer? He has publicly said it was one of the biggest like miscalculations of his career. Really? <laughs> yeah, like he just misjudged and not, I think he like the, the Marvel represented a very big comfort for him and he didn't yeah. want to depart from it. And he ended up doing this and. But it's, but that's the thing. It, it, you do that. Mm. You have a minor failure. You, you exercise it out of yourself and then you yeah. go do Oppenheimer. And then uh, look at him now. Did it come out before Endgame? Yes. It came out. It, no, no, it came out after, after Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. It was, it was, it was early 2020. Endgame. It came out, I think. Yeah. Wow. And there it, you go. And it did do little for people. Yeah. Uh, even looking back at it, it doesn't age well in terms of its um, in terms of its visuals. I have the whole thing, James. Any film with a talking animal, except Paddington. Yes, yes. Most films are talking animals, I should say. When there's a lot of talking animals, is the thing. Paddington's fine. It's one animal. I like Doctor Doolittle with Eddie Murphy. Do you? I think so. Really? Maybe. No. <laughs> Maybe I was young and I found it funny that the animals talked. That he's screaming. I think, around. There's, I think there's probably a good horror concept in there. With- yeah. I bet Ariasta could make an animal talk and it'd be horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the games this week on this episode of Pulp Kitchen. We will, as I've said, I have said it a couple of times, but we're going to be doing a bonus for that movie Fair Play that's on Netflix. If you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, check it out anyway. I might be doing some emails as well. This is coming out on Valentine's Day. Have a great Valentine's Day. If you're in a relationship, enjoy. If not, maybe you're going on a hot day. And if not, Watch time to watch, yeah, watch a film. We just put out a video which, uh, with great film creators in our space of the best romantic comedy of all time. Look yeah. out for that on our social media if you're looking for a pick. Yeah. We are Theories by T, Ailish, Raiders of the Lost podcast, and uh, Henry. Yeah. So go check it out on the feed. A bit of rom-com picks for you. Absolutely. Um, other than that, James? Guys, don't forget we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. Thank you for spending your time with us. We will see you next week. And uh, thank you for following us on the socials. Many of you have arrived at the show, mm. having discovered us on socials. Please continue to follow us there and like and subscribe. And we are posting, as we just said, all this new content that's not coming out on the show. It's coming out in the feeds. I would like to make a specific call out to you, the people listening on Apple Podcasts. Yes, you. I, I'm speaking exactly to you. Yes. Please give us a rating. Stop what you're doing. Give us a little review, a little five stars. Yes. Let people know that this is a great show. We've got loads of love on Spotify. I'd love even more love on the Apple podcast. That would be great. It really helps us grow. It does. See you next week. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye.